0: oh thank you so much it's such a pleasure to be here with you all and um this is becoming an extended family for sure (laughs) it's so fun to come to someplace repeatedly it also means hopefully yeah like you like me a little (laughs) If, if the invitation comes again that's really good um I just want to, I want you all to know that when I come, my kind of philosophy of um, guest preaching or speaking someplace is that um, for me, it's not really just like the preaching event. Like I think of it as an opportunity to actually minister in the Holy Spirit to you all this morning. And so I don't, and I, that to me is inclusive of just being aware and present of what the spirit might be saying in this moment. Um, hopefully you take something away from what I share, but also like, it's more about, it's not about me and what I'm saying, but about, about what the spirit is doing amongst us this morning. And so um, I, I just want to share before I even get started that when we were singing that, um, the Jairus song, which I love, it's one of my favorite songs. And one of the reasons it's one of my favorite songs um, is because that idea of being loved was something that was a very long journey for me. Does anybody else experience that? It was a very long journey for me to be able to come to the place where I didn't, I couldn't just say, yeah, I know God loves me, but I actually knew that God loved me more than just with words that I said. And so I was thinking about that and I was just like kind of reflecting on that as they were singing and singing worshiping along with it, and then my mind kind of um, started thinking about that, and, and I just wanted to share with you this morning just kind of a word of encouragement. There's something really powerful even for me in my story about coming from a church background. I grew up in the church, um, but recognizing at some point that God—we we talk a lot in the church about God using us, um, but for some people, myself included, that being used became something really negative because I associated it with being used like people in the world used me for things. And so there was like a really like a hard kind of place (laughs) in my heart about like the being used part. And and for me, I've I've actually had to kind of, other people use it and it's fine, but for me, I've kind of moved away from using that because of my own journey and what it had meant to me. And so this morning as we were saying that, I was just thinking, you know, there might be somebody else who's felt that before. Um, Or is feeling that now? Um, Just like you you, you think about God and you know, like, God loves you, you know, with words. (laughs) You know that. Um, And you feel like, um, but in some way you feel like you have to prove yourself so that God can use you. And I just want to say to you this morning, God doesn't want to use you like the world uses you. God, God cares about you and loves you, and he invites you into a relationship so that you can participate in the world uh, um, around you in, in living out the kingdom of God, right? You get to choose to participate in that. And we, we will use our stories inevitably in our life situations to do that, but, but you're not something to be used in a negative way. That's been really important to me in my journey. And I just wanted, I felt like I wanted to share that this morning. That if there's any of you feeling that this morning, um, that's, not, that's not what God wants. God wants you to know that in your deepest parts, that you're loved just exactly for who you are and where you are. And when I think about the journey of Jesus and I think about um, him and, and the Father speaking over him, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. When, when, when that happened, right? Jesus was in his baptism experiencing that moment, but he hadn't even begun his ministry yet. He had done nothing in terms of formal ministry in the world. He was just living as a carpenter. (laughs) And so I just, it's really important for me as we begin, because I think it also sets a tone for what I want to share this morning, but um, you're loved just for who you are before you do one thing. Not for the obedience that you have or don't have or the things that you do or the ways that you serve or how many people you tell about Jesus. Like you're just loved for who you are. And I want, I want to remind you of that this morning. Um, what I also want to do this morning in, in thinking about um, when I was praying about and, and asking the Lord to show me what it is that um, I was supposed to share with you this morning um, I was thinking about um, lots of different things going on in my mind and and something that's been really, um, I think the Holy Spirit has been showing me in a deeper way in my own journey as well. And as I have shared it out of the context of our church community and what we've been doing, I've I've been experiencing kind of this awakening and like, this is a huge paradigm shift for people in the church to kind of get their minds around this concept that I'm going to talk about this morning. Um, And so what I would like to do is, I I would just like to share sort of our journey in our church community. And I know in the past I've given snippets and and Heidi um, shared a little bit about what we do uh, today, but I want to sort of share the journey of our story in our church community, because there's something that we've learned along the way that's really profound. And I'm sure for most of you that there's a similar story in that the journey you've been on, you've learned a few things, right? <laughs> and, and things have changed. You're not the same person that you used to be because we grow and we change and we think differently sometimes about things. And so I'm going to share... Um, the story of our community, and within that, what God has been showing us and leading us to in a deeper understanding that hopefully uh, will be impactful for you this morning as well, too. And so um, about eight years ago, my husband and I uh, planted a church in the downtown Phoenix, midtown area. Um, To us, we were coming from Peoria the suburbs so we were like oh we're moving downtown but then once we got downtown we realized downtown people were like you're midtown (laughs) so we're like okay we're midtown but we're kind of everywhere in what we do Um, and and both my husband and I had really missional convictions about the way that we wanted to live and to to live missionally in the world around us to share the love of Jesus with other people and um, we and we were intentional in doing that and so we moved down there We got really involved with lots of different organizations in our neighborhood, in our community, and we were doing all these really missional things, but we were having a really hard time gaining momentum among our people. And first of all, I should mention um, we didn't start with like a big group to plant with, and we it wasn't a church split. Um, we didn't like separate and go do something different because we were angry about anything. It was just genuinely something we were feeling called to do, and so we went and we got started and kind of like very naively thought, oh, we're just going to go do this missional stuff, and, and things are going to happen, and a church will grow out of it, right? <laughs> we were very naive, and and so um, we did these things, and we were trying that, but we had a very small group of people, and, and so we were getting started in just participating where we saw God at work, and loving our neighbors, Uh, but the reality was we were doing all of these missional things we were getting out there and being in the community and inviting people into our home and we were hanging out amongst our neighbors uh, but we were trying to invite them back to a Sunday service so we were trying you know we were doing all these things out here but ultimately trying to get them to come back to a Sunday service and um Similar to, you know, this service that we have this morning here, but different in the fact that over the course of the three years, we bounced around to several locations. If anybody knows what it's like to church plant or heard about that, that's kind of what happens, right? You kind of try to find different locations that you can meet at that are going to provide what you need for your community. Um, We met in the evening, and we probably never had, for those first three and a half years at any one time, more than 25 people who were gathering with us. And after three years, a little more than three years, actually, we were exhausted, as you might imagine. It had taken a toll on our family, it had taken a toll on our marriage, and it had taken a toll on our mental health, my husband and I both. Um, so in, in what, would, what was the third year, we were entering into the Lenten season, and, and we decided that, you know what, we're just going to pull back. We're kind of going to stop all the activity that we've been doing and the running around we've been doing, and we're just going to sort of sit in this moment, and we're going to pray, and if we can, those who can, who can participate in that, can fast, and and we're going to um, just press in and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And we kind of felt like we came to this spot where we had three choices, that one, we either just stopped and quit altogether— right? Because I'll, I'll be honest, my husband and I both say regularly, we, um, we both quit the church many times, just not at the same time. <laughs> we co-pastor. And he would be like, I'm done. And I'm like, I'm not done. I'm still going. And then I'd be like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And he'd say, no, God's working. We're doing this, you know. And, and it was just like this back and forth thing. But, but we finally came to this place. Where maybe we do need to stop. Maybe we both need to get on the same page about this and just quit. Maybe we had the right word at the wrong time. Or maybe we just push through. Maybe, because you know, whether you're starting a business, anytime you're starting something new, it's hard at the beginning, right? Whether you're trying to start a new habit or practice or whatever you're doing, um, there's challenges. And so maybe these are just part of the normal challenges of starting something new. And we just need to like put our heads down and just press on and then wait for that breakthrough to come. Or three, we, we keep going, but we do something totally different with a kind of a new strategy than what we set out with. And so we prayed and we fasted and Easter came and went and the resurrection happened, but not in the life of our little church. (laughs) You know what I mean. (laughs) Personally, we celebrated Easter, but there was no like grand resurrection of something happening, no significant word from the Lord. And so we prayed and we waited some more. And in our very small community at this time, it was probably six of us who would gather regularly at our house on a Sunday night, And, and we would talk, and we would pray, and we would discern together, what is God saying? Do we stop, do we press through, or do we do something different? And it wasn't just my husband and I making that decision. As a community, we discerned that together. And we let other people say what they were hearing from the Holy Spirit and what they were sensing God was wanting to do. And the truth was is that we just felt like it's it's not time to give up. I don't know what we're supposed to do, but we're not supposed to stop. So what does that mean for us? And it wasn't until the summer, many months later, that we began to have this experience that I describe as... um, Kind of like the pulling back of the curtain, in so many ways. My favorite movie of all time is The Wizard of Oz. So every time I say that, I kind of get this picture of little Toto running behind the, um, running down the hallway and opening the the um, curtain to see the the guy behind, like all the wizard stuff that was happening. Right? It was kind of like that. Um, we 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 suddenly got to know what the secret was. It was like the Holy Spirit said, "Let me. You've been doing this for a really long time." And, and I know you're really tired. You've tried everything. You've exhausted everything that you know to do. Um, now let me show you how to do this. Let me, show you what's, let me show you how to do what's in your heart to already do. And so we began to listen. And, and, and through that experience, and as we listened and we read and we continued to meet in community, uh, it was about that time that we started to ask a different question, And the question was, what if instead of doing all these missional things out there and inviting people back to this Sunday service, you just stay there in those places that you're already being missional, and you build community in the places that you're already going to? Like, what if you tried that? What if instead of of volunteering at a women's resource center to make connections and then then to to do that in order to invite them to a service that was on a different day, what what if... You just built community and ministered to the women right there during the course of their operating hours of the center. What if the connection or partnership that you have with the YMCA or the affordable housing complex in a a neighborhood was not about getting people to come back to a service on Sunday, but rather staying there among the community and, and then practicing Christian community and worship right there where the people are? So that's what we did. And now hear me say when I'm sharing my story too, um, when, when I come to some place like this, for, for me, it's not like trying to convince people to do what we do. We are the body of the Christ. We are the body of Christ. That means we are one body and we're in unity, right? And we all need each other. We need expressions that meet like this and we need expressions that meet like we do. So it's not a one or the other kind of thing. But this is what God was calling us to. And I think there are lessons in it that um, no matter what kind of gathering and community you have, whatever form or shape that looks like, there are principles that are really important to that operating and looking like the kingdom of God being present among us. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. So so that's what we did. We, We started to stay in those places and we started to make more connections even. And within a very short time, we had six communities happening on a weekly basis um, where we had the opportunity to love and to serve others, to share Jesus, to worship and to practice Christian community, uh, but very much outside of the traditional church walls. And then as we were doing this, we began inviting others to join us along the way. And now we're at the point, so this is eight years in, eight and a half years in almost. Uh, We have eight city missionaries and about 20 communities on mission or missional initiatives that are happening around the valley. And by missional initiatives, that means things that are getting started. So we have many communities that have been operating for like four and a half years now. But we also have a lot of communities that are just getting started. They're initiatives. We're getting them going. And then we also, earlier this year, planted a network like ours in Jacksonville, Florida. So there's a network there that's doing very similar work um, to what we're doing. And they're partnering with us in culture, that the way that we do um, church, not just, in, not just in strategy, but in culture, our cultural principles and what we have conviction about in the way that we live and we're also working on several more church partnerships uh, to get networks like ours started in the Bay Area, in California, in Indianapolis, and in Little Rock, Arkansas, and Ireland, um, to plant church networks like we're doing um, in other cities around the world. But while this is all amazing and exciting now for us, right? it's like, oh my goodness, look at the amazing things God do- is doing right now. Uh, the first three years were hard. <laughs> And they honestly were not just hard, but they were draining, and it caused a lot of chaos in our family. And, and so we look back and we're very grateful for the time that we're experiencing now, but we're also grateful for the things that we learned along the way in the time that was hard. And, and we recognize now that um, we were working with this strategy before in the beginning. We were working on this strategy, but it was very much our strategy it was very much with good intention, a strategy that fit our model and our, our own ideal about what church was supposed to look like, what it means to be successful pastors, how we can prove ourselves to those around us, right? And you don't have to be in ministry to understand that. People do that in their jobs all the time and in their life, Right. We have ideas about success. We have ideas about how we have to earn and prove our our value and our worth in the world around us. And we very much were living that out even in trying to plant a church. And we had good intentions, but we didn't really have the right container. We didn't really have the right mechanism in order to live this out. We desired to live into the model of the Trinity that we both believed and had conviction about. That the Trinity, in the Trinity, we see both relationship and mission. We see in the Godhead that God is both relational and missional. In fact, that's where our name came from. It's Trinitas Church. That's really just the Latin for Trinity. We had the right convictions, but we didn't know how to actually live it out in a way that was free of our own baggage and our own ideals, enough to be able to live it out in an authentic way. We needed the Holy Spirit to show us. And here's one of the, the things that we learned. Within the church, and, and um, I can speak as somebody like within the church because I grew up, I've been in the church my whole life in some kind of way, right? Within the church, and, and also by that I mean capital C Church, even if we believe that the Trinity is both relational and missional, oftentimes if we would actually think about how we think about things, we separate those things out. And without thinking about our thoughts, oftentimes we will naturally lean towards the idea that the relational piece is expressed in how the body of Christ lives together amongst believers. That being said, sometimes I even question that when I look around and see the divisiveness (laughs) amongst church people, right? Um, But mostly that's true. But we separate out the relational aspect and make it other than missional, And the missional piece often gets isolated from the relational aspect of the Trinity. The goal becomes the idea of being missional to people who don't know Jesus in order to get them to become part of our community so that we can then be relational. Yeah? And while some of you may be thinking, well, I don't do that or that's not how I really think about things or that's not what I would do, I would challenge you to look at your practices What you do and how you operate in the world is an indication of what you actually believe. And I can challenge you with that because I know it's true of me. I can look at my own life and I know it was true of me. In those three years we were being missional and spending time with those who were not part of the body of Christ. If I'm really honest, the goal for me wasn't to be in relationship with them and to love them in the way of Jesus. Even though that's what I said I was doing and I thought I was doing. My goal was ultimately to hopefully get them to come to our Sunday event and to participate in our church community at the center, and then through that, hopefully encounter and be changed by Jesus over time. And then also, I would look like a faithful like, Christian, and I, you know, I had an impact on somebody, and that was good too, right? <laughs> but the, f- the fundamental paradigm shift that had to happen for me was that even in mission— the goal was not a specified behavior change or even a hope of a relationship with Jesus. The goal was the relationship itself. Of course we want people to know Jesus. I'm a pastor, that's what I do. I want people to know Jesus. Of course we want people to know Jesus. Of course we share our own journey with Jesus. And of course we hope for people to encounter in transformative ways the love of Jesus. But the goal, but the goal of relationship gives me the opportunity to participate in the mission of God by loving them no matter if they change or not. And why is that important? Because that's what Jesus does with us. <laughs> we, already, we already are fundamentally loved at our core, whether we choose to follow Jesus or not. It's just that as we take steps and we make choices, that, that love is affirmed in our heart and our life. Like, yes, this is true, because the closer we get to Jesus, the more we experience it. But if I trust what Romans 2.4 says is true, that it's God's kindness that leads to repentance, then my job is to offer loving and safe relationships where God can do God's work. And I don't have to try to do God's work for him. I can trust that the Holy Spirit is working in people's lives and I'm just partnering and participating in whatever God is doing. And I can be free of expectation or outcome, desired outcomes, or my own wants for someone's life. And so for me, part of that was I began to look at the Word of God and see Scripture, even like John 1.14 in new ways. It says, The Word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I began to see that Scripture as not only missional, but also relational. He literally came to live with us, to set up camp with us, to dwell in our neighborhoods. I know there are people camping this weekend, right? How many of you, you, you've been camping, right? You know what camping is. Camping is an experience of putting down some roots for however long you're there. There's a community and a relational aspect to it that you don't find when you do hotel travel. There is intentionality in living with one another. You're sharing space together. You're sharing bathrooms and showers together, depending on how you camp, I guess. (laughs) So when Jesus comes to live with us in grace and truth, there's an implication that in community and in relationship, that the grace and the truth gets lived out there in relationship. And we see it in 1 John 3, 18 also where it says, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Our lives must demonstrate with integrity that what we say we believe is what we do. And it's really important stuff because what we believe, this is, this is, this is part of that fundamental paradigm shift. What we believe about what people need or the problem of sin and its solution in the world. That's the form that our missional activity will take. Let me say that again. Not because it's so good. But because, <laughs> because it, it, it's a, it really is a fundamental shift. What we believe about what people need. Or the problem of sin and its solution in this world. Is the form our missionary activity will take. And when I look at Scripture from beginning in the Garden of Eden to the end of Revelation, what I see is that sin is ultimately the destroyer and vandalizer of relationships. Both our relationship with God and our relationship to ourselves and to others. Which is the reason Jesus came and said to us in Matthew, amongst other places, twenty-two, thirty-seven, 37 when questioned about the greatest law... We all know this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Take note there too, that they only asked him, if you go back and read that, they only asked him about what's the the one greatest law. And he comes back with two because they can't be separated the love of God and our love for ourselves even, that we receive the love of God into our own hearts and then that we extend that to others. Sin breaks relationships and and it creates unhealthy connections. But the flip side of that is that healthy relationship with God, ourselves, and with others, it restores and it brings healing and it brings flourishing, which is ultimately the goal. The shalom of God, the the Old Testament talks about, the Jewish people knew, they, they had this concept of shalom, which is wholeness and flourishing in the way of God. The reality of the experience of heaven on earth. Jesus' mission was to usher in the kingdom of God. That even right now, we would experience a little bit of heaven on earth. While we await for it in its fullness, Jesus wants us to know the reality of it even now, the beginning seeds of it even now in our life and in the world around us. His goal was that right relationships would lead to this flourishing and experience of heaven on earth. It would create greater shalom. In fact, one of the things that we talk about in our community is the fact that almost every single church will have a mission statement about making disciples, right? In fact, we ourselves have a mission statement that includes that. Because that's the the Great Commission, right? Like, go and make disciples among the nations. However, even though we know that we need to make disciples, if somebody were to ask you why, I wonder if most of us could answer that. Why? Why do we make disciples? Well, obviously because Jesus said to, right? (laughs) That's part of it. But why? Why would Jesus say to? We ourselves, as we pondered that and and wrestled with that, the best thing that we could come up with throughout Scripture is that it's because the way of Jesus is to bring about the reality of heaven on earth. That's what Jesus did. He came about proclaiming the kingdom of God and living it among the people. So we form disciples who can bring about heaven on earth in the world around them, who can demonstrate and practice the way of Jesus as they live out this way of Jesus and other people get to experience a little bit of heaven on earth. Discipleship is about formation within relationship of our ability to live out Jesus' prayer on earth as it is in heaven. Right relationship with God ourselves and others, love God, love our neighbors as ourselves. That's heaven on earth. And once we really grasp that, we, we have to then ask ourselves, well, well, what does that love look like? What does that, what does that really mean? We mostly um, only talk about this particular scripture at weddings, but I think 1 Corinthians 13 gives us the picture. Love is patient. Love is kind. it's consistent. It's consistent in showing up in the lives of others. It's consistent in the demeanor that we carry if we really carry that, that posture toward the world, towards God and towards ourselves and towards others. It's powerful, and it's the character and the nature of God and his kingdom. It's the fruit of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is at work in us, we read in Galatians that the fruit of the spirit is love, along with joy, you know love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. But that's all; those are all kind of expressions of the love of God, right? Love never fails. When we enter into the world, and, and we're taking this concept of being both relational and missional, we get this opportunity to participate in what God's doing in the world around us. We get the opportunity to to have this goal of just getting to know people and building relationships just for the sake of building relationships. And as we do that and, and people learn to trust us and we learn to trust others, then along the way we get to share Jesus with them. We get to walk life with them and we get, to, we get to see their highs and their lows, and we get to, we get to be the presence of Christ to them in their life, and, and, and the way that they get to experience heaven on earth in their own life. During COVID, um, we, were, we had already started all these different communities on mission that we were doing um, around the city. And of course, COVID shut everything down. So we couldn't go into all the locations in the same way. And so um, we started to, while we as a community were still flourishing and relationships were still happening, um, we started to just ask the question because we're like, okay, what do we do now? We were doing all these other things that seemed kind of easy, like easy steps to take. Now we have to take some more thoughtful action at this time. How can we be intentional? And one of the, the questions that became a driving force for us during COVID was, what's the next most loving thing that we can do in that space? So we can't go have a, a normal gathering at the YMCA. We can't go run an alpha course at the jail anymore. We can't go to the rehab center and, and do devotionals with them anymore. How, so what, what can we do? What's the next most loving thing we can do? And out of that, the answer became, um, it, was, it was nuanced in, in that it was different in every community, but that became a driving question for us. And it ended up looking like, um, in many of the places, we couldn't go in and meet with the, the folks who were in that space, but, but we, could, we could connect with the people who were leading, the, the administrative staff in a certain place. So we could go and take a Starbucks to the... Um, the person who's running admin at the affordable housing complex. And we could pray for her about her kids who were driving her nuts because they were sitting with her, (laughs) doing their homework online at school while she was trying to work as a single mom. We could say, hey, how can I help you with your kids today? We, we could go into the neighborhood uh, for one of our city missionaries who, who had been ministering to the urban youth in her neighborhood, um, at-risk kids. We could say, hey, what do, you, what do you guys need? What do your families need? And, and when they say, well are they mostly with single moms as well um, who their moms were house cleaners they said we we don't have any jobs anymore because we can't clean houses well let us help you get some food and for a year and a half we provided either a gift card or a food box on a bi-weekly basis for six families to be able to make it through covid and those food boxes and those gift cards it wasn't just about those things But what started to happen as it was consistent and people started to recognize that we were going to show up and and that they could count on us and trust us, it began to open up conversations that led to conversations about Jesus over time. And it led to some of those moms coming to that missionary saying, can we have a Bible study? Can we do something? I want want to learn more about all of this and, and I want to know God in a different way. And that's wonderful that that happened. But we were going to love those families and demonstrate heaven on earth and the kingdom of God, no matter if that conversation ever happened or not. What we know is if you consistently do that, those conversations will happen over time. It's natural because people, it's not something that they encounter in the world around them. They want to know why you're doing what you're doing. They don't understand it doesn't make sense because they've never been shown, oftentimes in in some of the spaces that we go, they've never been shown dignity and respect and, and, and the desire for mutual relationship and not just receiving a handout. In fact, in some of the locations that we go, even now, we've had to train them to stay around for whatever we're doing because they're very used to a culture of grab and go. Someone's bringing us you know, food or someone's bringing us um, goods that we need to live. But people don't actually want to talk to us and they don't want to hang around with us. And we, we went in saying, we do. We want to know you. We, we want you to hang out with us. We want to eat with you. We want to celebrate what's going on with you. And it was like a whole culture shift that we had to sort of disciple people into that we actually do want to know you. We want to have relationships with you. But there's a fundamental... Paradigm shift there. And I think when we start with that, what we can, um, that we can be intentional with relationships so that heaven on earth will be experienced around us to a greater degree in the world. We can start with that. We can just start with that desire. And it doesn't matter if you're in a more traditional model of church or if you're doing something more non-traditional like us, we can all be asking the questions, what does heaven on earth look like at my job, in my family, in my community? And kind of get imagine- an imagination for what that might look like. What could heaven on earth look like here? What would it look like for a piece of heaven to be experienced here? What are people, what are people struggling with or missing out on? And how can I be a part of demonstrating heaven on earth in this place that I'm at? And then after you think about that and you begin to gain an imagination for that, you can ask the question, then what's the next most loving thing I can do to participate in that? How can I engage in relationships with people? What's the next most loving thing I can do that can demonstrate that I genuinely care about this person not because they hopefully will be like me one day or believe like me or act like me, but because I genuinely just want to know them. And I care about them and their well-being because God cares about us and our well-being. And sometimes it takes time for us to respond to God. So imagine for people who don't know Jesus, how much longer that might take them, right? So the goal is relationship, And I see it over and over as we have opportunities to not only um, share in our own communities and in the new church plants that we have, but also we have this thing where we bring people in from around the country um, several times a year and we let them come and experience with us a weekend of what it's like to live in this missional way. And there was a gentleman who was with us um, not too long ago, and um, in September. And he was from Arkansas, and he he came and he experienced the weekend with us, and we just had a follow-up conversation not too long ago with him, and and he said something along these lines. He said, that weekend in Phoenix was transformational for me, because it freed me up from all the expectations of what it meant for, for me to be a pastor, one. But then also to be able to live into this idea of relationships, And it allowed us to slow down. And he said, not just in what we were trying to do at ministry, but also he said, even in my family. And he started to describe these subtle changes in his own family about, you know, before when they were leading certain things, his hu- the husband was always the one kind of, what do you guys need prayer for? And then he would pray for them and these kinds of things. And, and in, in subtle changes that they've made, he's like, my wife asked me the other day, what can I, well, what, what do you need prayer for? And he's like, that's never really happened before. And then my kids started asking me, Dad, what do you need, what do you need prayer for? And then my kids started praying for me. And he's like, this whole dynamic shift has literally transformed my home. Because you're moving at the pace of relationships in step with and in line with what the Holy Spirit is doing in that moment. And we make space for each other and we slow down because relationships are important. And it changes the pace at which we're moving and the goals that we have in those connections with people. And I think there's something really profound for the church that if we want to go forward and we want to be able to build trust in a world around us that for many people, they don't trust Christians. We have to change the way that we're approaching things. And one of those fundamental shifts is in this idea of relationships just being the goal themselves. That we get to participate in the mission of God by being relational with people, by showing up to where they are, loving them where they are and demonstrating the goodness and the the beauty of the kingdom of God in their lives. Heaven on earth. We get to participate in that. And the question for all of us becomes, what's the next most loving thing I can do? Let's pray this morning. So Jesus, I uh, thank you so much that Um, We can come humbly before you knowing that none of us have arrived in this. We're all still growing. We're all still learning, myself included. And I thank you for the revelation that you're unfolding before us and the the ways that you're helping us just to um, be able to walk in the way of you, Jesus. Because ultimately that's what it is. We're following the way of Jesus that's both relational and missional, and it's not separate. You loved us before we ever responded to you. You wanted and desired relationship with us, and you proved that by moving into our neighborhoods before we even responded. And so, Jesus, I, I thank you that you're teaching us. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is available for us to um, engage with and to listen to and to discern with. And I pray that, that those questions, like, what does heaven on earth look like in this space? And, and, and what's the next most loving thing I can do? That those questions would, would become questions that undergird our relational and missional activity in the world around us. We can all ask those questions, and we can all respond, and we can all participate in, in your goal of flourishing relationships, loving you, God, with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, loving our neighbor as ourselves. This is your goal. You are love. Fill us with your love this morning and help us to love others in the way of you. We pray, come Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence with us this morning. And Jesus, I just say thank you for the word this morning. And I thank you um, that by your spirit, you speak and move in ways that I couldn't possibly. So whatever um, each person here is thinking about or pondering or reflecting on this morning, would you continue to move in that this morning? Would you continue to make it clear what you're saying to each unique individual? And also to this community, Lord. Would you continue uh, to speak to this hope community, this church together? Continue to lead them. I know their hearts are postured towards you. Continue to lead them by your spirit into all the things that you have for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.